Well, here's an interesting question for you. Are you looking for a lazy girl job? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a real thing. You know, we hear about quiet quitting, quiet firing, some terms like that. This is the latest that's really gone crazy. Lazy girl jobs. Now, here's, here's the deal. During the last three years, so many people got used to doing very little, I mean, hiding out in remote jobs with a little supervision, that it's become common for people to look for jobs that don't require much. I know that may be kind of a common theme out there, but certainly not true for you if you're a listener to this podcast. So here's what a lazy girl job really is. Low stress, low effort, uh, lots of flexibility and freedom. Often these jobs are remote. They require no overtime. They're physically safe. There's minimum to no supervision. Again, I, I want to just cover just so you are aware of it, not that you're going to pursue it, that's a, you're aware of it. But I've also got a great story of second chances I want to kick off the podcast today with. Got some great questions from people as usual. Then I want to end with a story that may help you see that knowing too much is hindering your success forward. Well, that may seem counterintuitive. The more we know, the more options we have. No, it can actually work the other way. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of how you can understand that and how it can work to your favor. So, Grab your cup of tea or maybe your Mountain Dew. Get ready for another power-packed episode filled with practical advice, inspiring stories, and valuable resources to help you maximize your contributions, not to find an easy way to get paid for doing nothing. So let's jump right in. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, I just got back from Podcast Movement, the big conference that was held this year out in Denver for people in podcasting. A lot happening in podcasting these days because it is a venue that has now overtaken TV and radio. Those are diminishing. Everybody knows that. Podcasting is the new bomb for contacting people. Well, because of that, we also have brought over into podcasting all the things that we disliked about radio and TV. So there's a interesting what's happening. Not going to go into a full breakdown, but uh, the number one genre in podcasting today is comedy. Number two is society and culture. Then you'll get our news, then true crime. There's tons of shows out there. I mean, the, the, the hottest show right now today is Over My Dead Body. That's the biggest one. I mean, it amazes me what people are drawn to and what podcasts are getting listeners. Now, business is way down the list. I mean, originally when podcasting started, People like me, people who came off talk radio and people who were in that kind of, a, you know, information, personal development, self-improvement. Those were the most popular podcasts, but we've been overtaken. That's okay. We can remain a small category and I think more, more meaningful, more valuable than those things just tickle your ears and entertain you. So thanks for being here. Delighted to have you where each week we do break down questions from you, the listeners. If I use your question, be happy to send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love, new book, and perhaps some other surprises. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan, submit your question there. Questions like this, Dan, I've been humiliated and shrunken to feeling like I am merely an inch tall. Boy, that's a poignant kind of picture, isn't it? 
Somebody says, at present, I'm trying to find the right investors who will help fund my semi-business, semi-charity operation. We'll talk about the challenges there. Ministry and leadership are my passions and where the writing easily flows, but I don't know if those areas will be enough to generate income. And then we'll end with this one. Dan, I'm stuck. I can not figure out what I want to do or what my calling is. Okay, typical kind of questions. Maybe you identify with something in there. We'll give you some resources to help move you along. Quotation today comes from Earl Nightingale, who said, no man can get rich himself unless he enriches others. It's a pretty solid principle. We've heard that from many places, but that comes from the strangest secret. And I mentioned that because we're starting, now this is, you're you're listening on September 1st, hopefully, or maybe a couple days after that, but starting today, September 1st, we're going through the Strangest Secret Challenge in that 32-minute audio that became so popular, became the first spoken word audio to sell a million copies. Earl Nightingale talks about we become what we think about. It's powerful. You've heard me talk about it. We've got a whole group of people. We're going through it together, going to inspire each other and share stories as we go through it. And then some of the stories of success like we got last year. But uh, join us. Just go to 48days.com slash secret. So that's our resource today, 48days.com slash secret. There's no cost. Uh, We'll help you with some resources to help frame your thinking and move you forward if you feel stuck, like some of the people that we're going to talk about here today. All right, so let me kind of unpack this lazy girl job. We'll get that out of the way and then go on to the more positive things. So again, as I mentioned, the internet is moving past quiet quitting, I mean, that's when somebody does the bare minimum work, putting in only effort to get the job done. And there's a lot of people, you know, Gallup's latest worker poll found nearly six in 10 employees are quiet quitting. That means they're not really doing much, just doing a minimum to maintain their job. Well, now we've got a new term out there. This term went viral just a few days ago, thanks to a TikTok video. It's gotten millions of viewers, and it talks about a lazy girl job. And again, as I mentioned, this is the premises, you know, low stress, low effort, lots of flexibility and freedom. There's not much oversight, you know, just getting paid for doing the bare minimum. Well, you know, and and there's actually searches for that. Just over the last few days, searches are up like 1,200% for that term, lazy girl jobs. Gen Zers are especially interested you know the age group if you're in that, but are looking for these. Uh, there, there's actually been like 25 million views, again, for lazy girl jobs. Well, I'm not sure what that means about our society, but uh, some, of the, some of the things that would be that they categorize as possibilities there are e-learning assistant, translator, customer feedback analyst, data entry specialist, freelance writer, even accountant is in there, data analyst. Uh, museum assistant. So again, I'm sure there's a broad range in any of those titles there. And if you've got one of those jobs, don't feel embarrassed or think that it is that if you're putting in good work and providing good service. But, uh, you know, there are complaints. People say that it paints a bad picture. So um, we aren't pointing any fingers here at all. But what are you looking for in the work that you do? I mean, are you trying to do the least you can do? Or are you committed to offering the very most that you can? But we know where success begins. It's not from seeing what you can do the least of to get paid. No, it's to do more than what you paid for. And then new opportunities seem to kind of show up. 
Well, hey, I got a success story I want to share here, and we'll go into some questions, but this comes from Will, who says, Dan, I just got this a couple days ago. Dan, I'm also a content creator and executive coach, mostly for school teachers. As a longtime subscriber to your emails, I realized that I've enjoyed your work for many years and have failed to say thank you. About 12 years ago, I read your book, 48 Days, while serving as a high school assistant principal, confirmed for me that education was my calling and vocation. I also began listening to your podcast, which led me to several other entrepreneurial podcasts that have expanded my thinking. Since then, I've combined my love for writing with the lessons I've learned in education leadership. I began publishing my own blog and podcast and writing books for education leaders. After 24 years in serving schools, I left my principal position six years ago to support principals across my state as the executive director for my state's principal association. At the same time, I then I continued part-time work offering training to school leaders across the U.S., both in person and through virtual training. As of July 1st, 2023, so just a couple months ago, I handed my position with the state's principal association over to new leadership and launched full-time as an education consultant. The good news is that I've secured enough contracts for the next 12 months to replace my former income, as well as a few contracts through June of 2025. I have a lot of people who've influenced my work along the way. You've been one of them. Just wanted to say thank you for the way you model innovation, creativity, and practical solutions for people pursuing their dreams. I'm just one small story of someone you've positively influenced with your work. Thank you and best wishes to you and your family on your latest life adventures. Sincerely, Will. Well, thank you, Will. I appreciate that so much. I love the fact that while I often talk about all the people who are leaving education, um, and rightfully so, things have changed so much, I love the fact that you recognize that is your calling. You stayed there, rose up through the ranks, and now you've leveraged that experience to be a consultant in that same arena. I love that. We've got some other people in our 40 Days community that I've talked with just recently have done similar things. Deanne Schnauz, a lot of you in the Eagles community recognize Deanne. She's a PhD in education, just recently retired from university teaching and has now positioned herself as a consultant, an educational consultant, but she's, she's using her love of horses as part of her consulting. She and her husband have a small farm. Um, they have brought, brought in bleachers already. They have horses and it's through working with horses that she teaches the leadership principles. You know, as an example, if you are right up close to a horse and really holding it tightly, the horse gets really nervous, the same way a person who's being micromanaged would. If you're right over their shoulder, you know, demanding they do things exactly as you want them to do. So she uses those, those kind of principles. Ryan Stoyer is another one, a long history as a teacher, and uh, then he started providing project-based learning modules for teachers, so he now has teachers teaching other teachers during the summer. It's allowed him to move away from daily teaching. He and his family sold their home. Their full-time travelers at this point are exploring. The income provided has allowed him to not only leave his job and travel full-time, but also to invest. He's one of our investors in EIG, and he's also invested in multi-unit apartment complexes, other things provided by, again, his dedication to teaching and then helping other people do that really well. All right. Hey, I got a, a story here. I want to just insert. This is one of second chances. This talks about a, a gal who nearly avoided prison because a judge was lenient 
And because of that, she turned her life around and and then became a lawyer herself, went back and won a case in in his courtroom, which I thought really was a cool story. So this is Sarah Gadd's life story. Um, She was a repeat drug offender, and now she's a criminal defense attorney. And it shows, among other things, it's never too late to turn one's life around. So she had a car accident back in 2012 and was prescribed opiate painkillers, which then quickly became an addiction. Boy, we hear that a lot. Between 2012-2015, she had seven nonviolent felony drug convictions. She was jailed in Minnesota, Illinois, Pennsylvania, after a really horrible 27 days in a Chicago jail where she was beaten, stabbed, thrown in solitary confinement, her case got the attention of Kathleen Zellner, who's the attorney behind the Netflix show Making a Murderer. And so that attorney invited this young gal who was you know, in and out of prison, drug addicted, to come and assist her at her law firm, even while she was still struggling with addiction. And Sarah says, I found the work to be very rewarding. I had the privilege of being able to be present when a person that I had helped prove they were wrongfully convicted of murder. I was able to be at the prison and be with him as he took his first steps up to freedom, hugging his family. So it goes on through. She then got her. She she said she started law school with an ankle monitor. I mean, how cool was that? She was still under probation because of her own drug use, started school with an ankle monitor, and the judge who reviewed her case decided that since she had gotten herself admitted to law school, he'd give her a break and not put her back into prison as somebody who just couldn't recover. She did. She got clean. She went through law school, became an attorney, and then went back and actually has defended people. She actually has, has won 21 cases in a row, but she went back and defended somebody in the same courtroom where the judge was, who had been lenient with her. I mean, wow, what a, what a cool story that is to just realize that's possible. All right, hey, I want to jump in here, just remind you again, these are, we're going into some real-life questions from people here. Got several I want to cover here in our podcast today, but um, I want to remind you, if you got a question, if you got a success story, if you got a resource you want to share, we appreciate those. Honored to get those. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan. Leave your question there. And again, if I use it here on a live podcast, I'll be happy to send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Adam says, really, I don't know why I'm sending this, but something told me after listening to your podcast that I should. Bill Withers just spoke to me. So in a recent podcast, I mentioned Bill Withers. You know, he, is, he, he sang the song, Lean On Me. We all need somebody to lean on. I love that song. We sang that recently at our Will It Fly event that we had here in in um, Sarasota, where Mark and Cindy Alwine led us in singing. That was one of the songs we sang. We put the words up on a screen and sang it, Lean On Me. Anyway, Adam says, recently I've been in an accident that sent me into oncoming traffic, which thankfully I wasn't harmed, but unfortunately it left me unable to drive. I've been humiliated, shrunken to feeling like I was merely an inch tall. No home, no funds, no phone. Can't even make interviews because of lack of funds. Now my insurance has been canceled, my license suspended. Fortunately, I still haven't lost my drive. I won't give up. I put out over 100 applications. Uh, Some have been turned down because of driver's license and inability to make phone calls. I'm 34 years old. I know there's much ahead ahead of me and I'm not giving up. I've worked literally since I was 12 years old. I know I've probably not stopped, won't stop until I have created the future I've envisioned. 
I have a lot of potential for building opportunities for others. Have great joy for seeing the potential in others and helping them achieve their dreams. I've seen many unfortunate events in my life. I've always persevered. I know I will soon shine again. If there's any insights you give to better my future, I would be all ears. Well, Adam, man, I cringe at hearing the things that have happened there. And I appreciate your positive attitude when seemingly a whole lot has gone against you. You're still confident of a good future that you've envisioned. Well, at 34 years old, I want to agree with you and encourage you to keep believing that. Now, in my own times of feeling like my options were really limited, I always resorted to things I knew I could do immediately and get paid for immediately. Now, you mentioned I have a lot of opportunity, a lot of potential for building opportunities for others and have a great joy for seeing the potential in others, helping them achieve their dreams. Now, those things, as worthy as they sound, you know, in the form of coaching, speaking, creating courses, offering seminars, those are all things that take time to develop. You don't have that time right now. I mean, what, what I would do when I needed to create income immediately, I'd canvas a neighborhood and bid to paint a few houses, or I'd offer to clean and wax neighbors' cars. I mean, I never looked for a job, but I always identified ways to provide immediate service for people. Now, here's another example, high on my mind, because, you know, we just got hit here in Florida with Hurricane Adalia. I mean, it, it really hammered Florida once again, which seems to come pretty currently. So I, I looked, I looked, we had a hurricane last um, September. So yeah, it's geez, a, a year ago this month. That's when Hurricane Ian came through, did massive damage here. There were thousands of people who found immediate employee to help clean up the debt, the debris. And I, I, Heard about people getting you know twelve thirteen hundred dollars a week to help clean up debris. Uh, there were posts out there. If you you know we're looking for here's one that was on Facebook. We're looking for self motivated, responsible, dedicated individuals with the ability to prioritize multiple tasks, meet deadlines, and work with minimal supervision. If this sounds like you, then you're the perfect fit to work here at Tetra Tetra Tech. This is the opportunity to give back to your local community by making an impact daily to help restore the devastated areas affected by Hurricane Ian. Now, we, so this is somebody who was going to supervise what was being loaded onto trucks to make sure that people weren't putting out just personal property, make sure the trucks weren't going onto personal property, but it was that kind of position. And it was advertised as $1,300 a week. We talked to people who just with a chainsaw were making three, $4,000 a day. If a tree is down across somebody's driveway, they want it up. If it's $1,000 to move it, you know, they don't bat an eye because they want to be able to get their car out immediately. And the big companies are all busy. But I mean, those kind of things, I mean, look for opportunities that are right there that are immediate that you can do where you don't need a driver's license, where you don't need, you know, to have some of the other things that you talk about. I mean, I've always resorted to things that are more just on the physical labor spectrum if i needed something quickly you can start there then build back up get some success just last night joanne and i picked a guy up because 
there were hurricanes everywhere. We left the house. We thought, well, we'll go out for dinner. And we were surprised to realize that most of the restaurants were all closed because of the, the hurricane warnings that we were having. Now, we weren't just being stupid and going out. You know, it really wasn't that bad. It was pretty calm, but we thought we'd go out for dinner. And we drove up to one of our favorite restaurants, and it was closed. But there was a guy sitting on the bench right in front of it looking kind of distraught. He had taken an Uber to have him drop him off at that restaurant and then dropped him off and the restaurant wasn't open. He said, man, I, you know, I, I got an Uber here and I don't know what place is going to be open. And he was on his phone trying to go through, trying to find other places. I said, well, hey, just jump in, hop in. I'll help you find some place. So we did. He wanted, he wanted Mexican food and uh, some uh, access to some beer. I said, well, that's okay. I, I know a couple of places. So we found a place, dropped him off, just gave him, gave him a hand, heads up because of that. And he's a guy that's here because the hurricanes are here. He's a window installer. Said he makes great money because coming in after a situation like this, there are people that need him. He can sign on with any, any company doing that, gets paid really well. He's got an electric bike but he doesn't have a car and uh, he knows how to connect to get to the work locations in the morning but living very simply and making great money all right well let me move on here nick says i want to start a business hosting live events in greece with greek and international performers it will be a semi-business and semi-charity operation at present i'm trying to find the right investors who will help to fund this project. Everybody attending the show will be given discount coupons from leading supermarket chains, free medical cards for checkups. Again, I reiterate that this will be for every single person attending the show. There will also be a host of other prizes. Um, if you have any ideas as to what else we could do to enhance our image and contribute to success, I would love to hear from you. All right, Nick, I love your idea and I want you to succeed. Unfortunately, investors aren't looking for speculative charity projects. What I'd encourage you to do is look for ways to start small, where you don't need a lot of capital to do that. Start small. Find a venue where you can do a small concert. You know, some some place that wants to draw an audience and build their own reputation. You know, this last year, I've done a um, several events, small events, in regions around the United States. We did Texas, Virginia, California. Where else did we do? Did I say Tennessee? Didn't say that. Anyway, all of those places that we had those one day events for 48 days, people, I didn't pay a penny for the place. One of the ones, the one in, one in Virginia was in a beautiful, beautiful uh, conference center in a Publix building, Publix, the grocery store. They thought it was a cool thing just to do for community service, you know, to get back in that way. They were happy to let us use their facility well, we did eat lunch there at them cater lunch but there wasn't much return on that we had a simple salad buffet but uh, all the places that i used were places where we didn't pay anything now i'm not a non-profit i'm not a, a charity organization we're fully a for-profit organization but doesn't matter if people think that it's something worthwhile or something fun they you'll find places that'll let you use to try out what it is that you want to do so you know, then then when you find a venue like that, someplace that wants to draw an audience, wants to build their own reputation, then find musicians who want to be seen and heard where you don't have to pay them anything. Believe me, I've never been in a place where there's not an abundance of musicians who want to play for nothing just to be able to sing and play, 
mean, they're everywhere. When we lived in Nashville, my goodness, they're lined up. And here in Florida, I find the same thing to be true. There's a lot of places where musicians just set out a tip jar for being able to be being able to have the privilege of playing. Then find vendors who want to do do you want their businesses to be promoted to provide the giveaways for you. And then find five or six sponsors who'll so pay a small fee to be promoted there. Then charge a small admission fee to cover your cost and make a profit. You may do that six times, show that you're making money, then promoters and possible investors will be willing to talk to you. So create your own success story. Bootstrap it any way that you can. Don't go into debt, but just make it happen. When you show that you can be successful doing that, then you can get larger venues, bigger name musicians, and have potential investors come in and get involved with you as well. All right, Candace says, Hi, Dan, I just read your starting a biz is not complicated article. Would love some ideas on how to start my business on a shoestring. I want to create an educational resource center in uh, northern Vermont, predominantly focused on homeschoolers. As a homeschooling mom myself, I know how hard and expensive it is to pull materials together, and I've been collecting materials for years. Now I want to start my own business, and I'm brainstorming the best ways to make these materials available to other families. Ultimately, I would love to buy some land that families can use for sports and nature studies because it can be very hard to access public school sports facilities as homeschoolers. Thank you for ending all ideas. All right, so Candace, here uh, a couple things real quick. Don't assume homeschooling families have to have supplies and resources that are cheap. I hear that, that that's kind of a common mentality. Homeschoolers are just, you know, poor families. My goodness. And look, look how thousands and thousands of families as a result of the pandemic and then school violence have decided to homeschool in the last three years. I mean, that includes very, I mean, thousands of wealthy families as well as the more traditional down to earth, modest income families. So that's one thing. Don't let your mindset be that you got to provide things that are just so cheap you know, that it's not going to be a strain on anybody. No, not at all. But then create your resources and then find where homeschooling families are already having conversations. I mean, I jumped on, just did some couple quick searches. You know, powerhomeschool.org has over 400 courses. Fusion Global Academy has lots of them. There are tons of homeschooling family conferences I mean, a lot of events scheduled for yet this year, uh, 2023, and next year, 2024, lots of them out there. I mean, our friend Jim Hodges uh, creates audio books from old but meaningful books that are in the public domain. So he takes books uh, like the, uh, God, I can't think of any of the names of them, but you, you can check his stuff out, jimhodgesaudiobooks.com. And what he does is he reads books. He brings to life the stories that are in old history books that are so old they're in the public domain. So there's no copyright issues. He doesn't have to pay royalties or anything. And he reads those stories and really brings them to life by kind of reenacting them and how he does the audio presentation. Then he and his wife go to about six conferences each year. I get a couple updates a year from Jim because we stay in touch. Uh, but he, then he, he maintains his very nice comfortable six-figure income in a homeschooling arena. I mean, that's what he wanted to do, and he's done very, very well. So you can build your success, bootstrap your finances until you can buy that land and then provide more unique resources for the families that you want to serve. Okay, and 
Okay, I got this one. Hello, Dan. I want to be a writer, speaker, and a coach. The problem is most of my experience is in ministry, Christian publishing, and recently technology. Should I stick with this area or go toward a more financially viable area? Ministry and leadership are my passions and where the writing easily flows, but I don't know if those areas will be enough to generate income. Oh, my goodness. I could, I could go through a whole lot of examples, but I just, uh, I'll, I'll just list a couple here. So you have experience in ministry, Christian publishing, but not sure there's enough money there to make a living. Uh, have you ever heard of a guy named John Maxwell? I mean, John Maxwell pastored a little church in San Diego and then decided he wanted to have more influence, a bigger impact. He started writing books, started speaking, at conferences and all that. Well, today, John Maxwell, I looked up real quick. They estimate that he's worth $700 million. Now he is, it says he is an evangelical Christian writer, speaker, and pastor known for his New York Times bestselling leadership oriented self-help books. $700 million. I'd say he's doing okay in that little tiny non-profitable area of ministry Christian publishing. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what the generalities are. Don't get caught up in that. If that's where your passion, your talent is, don't try to move to something else that you aren't as passionate about just because you think it may be more financially viable as you describe it. No, follow your passion, then be really good in doing that. When I got into writing, wanted you know, recognize that I was going to have a book out, I looked at, gee, what's the success rate of typical authors. Well, I found out real quick, 95% of authors in America never make more than $40,000 a year. I thought, whoa, that can be pretty discouraging. That's not very attractive at all. But my immediate thinking was not, ooh, I'm going to be poor as a writer, as an author. No, my immediate thought was, okay, 95% never make more than $40,000 a year. How can I put myself in that 5%? How can I do things that other authors are not doing? Thus, today, while I've had significant success as a writer, as an author, less than 1% of my income comes from book royalties, book income. It's from doing other things that a lot of people to experience that message that creates the income. The books are just the tip of the iceberg. So just be unique in what you're doing. Hey, another one that I thought of was Patrick Lencioni. I had some conversations about him just this last week with my son, Kevin, who on his podcast, Self Helpful, has interviewed Patrick Lencioni multiple times when he has these new books coming out. So he's another one. He's another one of those in Christian ministry publishing. Um, the, the the nearest estimate I could find on there, net worth of Patrick Lencioni was $11.5 million. So not quite what John Maxwell has, but $11.5, uh, not too shabby, I would say. He has developed, Patrick Lencioni has developed an inventory called Working Genius. Working Genius, and you can go there, workinggenius.com and check it out. They are doing, I know this as a fact behind the scenes, they're doing over 40000 a day in selling those reports. I mean, the reports are like $25. It's a really cool report. I recommend it. I love doing it. But $40,000 a day in reports, I mean, that's $1.2 million a month or $14.8 million a year just in that one little thing that he provides as an author. Developed an inventory that people can take. 
So don't be discouraged by that. Again, jump in with both feet and just be excellent in what you're doing. Provide unique value and you can rock and roll however high financially you want to go. Okay, one more here. Bob says, Dan, I've been a loyal listener of your podcast for years. I've purchased many of your products for myself and people I care about. In fact, just yesterday, I had a nine-hour drive and I listened to 48 Days to the Work You Love once again during the drive. And just this week, I purchased your How to Increase Your Self-Confidence product. However, I'm stuck. I cannot figure out what I want to do or what my calling is. I've always wanted to own my own business. My first thought of owning a business was when I was a young kid. I remember having several ballpoint pens that didn't work. I took them apart and used parts from bad ones to make several of them that worked. That's when I thought I would turn that into a business. So I went around the neighborhood asking people if they needed their pens fixed. Needless to say, that didn't make much money. <laughs> I, I had to chuckle reading that. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea, the concept. But yeah, I don't think that's a real money-making idea. Um, Bob says, I've looked at my dreams, abilities, and passions, but nothing seems to line up. What I'm good at isn't what I love. What I dream of, I'm not good at, and so on. I feel I could use some coaching, but at this moment, I'm not in a position to be able to spend thousands of dollars for personal coaching. Do you know of any online courses that would help me walk through discovering my calling? Thanks for much, so much for all you do. Well, to start with, you know, the resources out there are are just unlimited. I mean, you can jump on, you can, a master class, I mean, master class costs like 15 bucks a month and you can get access to amazing thinkers. You know, Malcolm Gladwell about writing, uh, Daniel Pink about speaking, Simon Sinek about how to change your thinking. I mean, all those things are there. Now, you can also access thousands and thousands of free YouTube videos on any of the people I mentioned and a whole lot more. You can participate. But jump in, Bob. Jump in the content. That's not a contest. The challenge we're doing right now, starting today, September 1st, for going through the strangest secret every day for a month. 30 days listening to the 32-minute audio. We've got links to that. Just go to 48days.com slash secret and just sign up there. There's absolutely no cost to it at all. And if you are a candidate, if you really are motivated like you imply that you are here, this will. we've got testimonials from people who have done this previously with us where it just absolutely have transformed their lives. I mean, there are people like Frances Drost on there who did a video about the the transformation that she experienced as a result of listening to that every day for 30 days. I'm going to be going through it again. So do that. That's my first, that's my first encouragement for you. Now there's a concept called the beginner's mind. And I want, I want to just end with this and, and tell you a story about this. The beginner's mind. Now it has to do with having an attitude of openness, eagerness, Lack of preconceptions. You know, sometimes when we when we know things, we we know too much. It limits our ability to see new possibilities. I've worked with a lot of dentists, physicians, pastors, attorneys, engineers, accountants over the years, and I, they find it more difficult to think of new possibilities than somebody who's a truck driver, or somebody who works for a landscape company, or somebody who's a teller at a bank. That, that extra education, the degrees, the experience in one field make those professionals feel trapped where they are rather than believing they have more options. Okay, so I'm reading a book. You know, I read lots of books. Right now I'm reading The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. 
It's brand new. Well, I mean, it's been a few months. Rick Rubin. And Rick Rubin is an American record executive and, and producer. He was co-founder of Def Jam with Russell, Russell Simmons. And uh, he's worked with people like Tom Petty and Adele and Red Hat Chibi, Chili Peppers, Beastie Boys, all kinds of people that he's worked with. But anyway, he's got this book, The Creative Act. And I'll tell you what, I'm spending a lot of time in it because there's more to absorb the principles in there. But this is, there's a story that has to do with this beginner's mind that I thought of when I oh, wanted to answer this question about you kind of being stuck. Sometimes we're like, you, you can't read the label when you're inside the jar, they say. I recently brought in a consultant for my business, 48 Days, somebody that would have new eyes, new perspective, that wasn't used to seeing it as I did, and she had amazing insights that have caused us to really reshape some things pretty dramatically in what we're doing. All right, so out of this book, The Creative Mind by Rick Rubin. Some 3,000 years ago in China, the strategic board game Go was developed. Now, I won't go into the details. It's just a board game, but it's similar, but they say more complicated than chess. And so having a computer that would be able to play this was just really inconceivable. Well, they did train a computer to play this game. So it's a computer. Now, it didn't have a lot of history. It didn't know the the history of the game or the right moves and the wrong moves. It just played just as it saw it as a computer. So then they set it up where it would play the grandmaster playing against this computer. There was a move on, on move number 37 where it came to, and everybody could see there were two options for what move that would be made. One would be pretty immature, unadvised. The other one would be the way to keep the move, the game going forward. Well, the computer did a move that was totally unlike either of those. The grandmaster was so put off by this, he walked away from the game. He just could not fathom the computer being so stupid as to make a move that wasn't even one of the two that they obviously saw as possibilities. But he ultimately came back, they continued the game, and the computer won. The computer won four times in a row. The Grandmaster was so distraught, he quit and literally did not play again. Now, here's the deal. How could a computer do that? But see, we tend to believe that the more we know, the more clearly we can see the possibilities available That's really not the case. The impossible only becomes accessible when experience has not taught us limits. See, that's why when I talk to a a physician who wants to leave medicine, and we talk about having a hot dog stand down on 2nd Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, he's like, you got to be kidding me. It's so far out of his realm of possibilities, he can't get his head around, even though we may see a possibility there that could replicate and increase his income and remove all the things he doesn't like about being a doctor. But so did the computer win because it knew more than the grandmaster or because it knew less? Wow. I mean, this is really something I've been thinking about. You know, a lack of knowledge can create more openings to break new ground. Sometimes the fact that we know so much limits our ability to consider new things, limits our ability to see new possibilities. Well, 
Golly, that's way up there. We're going to end on that note. Again, if you got questions, ideas, thoughts, shoot them into me. Go to 48days.com slash askdan. Leave them there. I'm honored by your inquiries, by the questions you submit. Give us great fodder to talk about and unpack together here. If I use your question, I'll send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love, maybe something else as well. Hey, remember our quotation from the day coming from Earl Nightingale? No man can get rich himself unless he enriches others. Just ponder that for a while. No man can get rich himself unless he enriches others. I've used that as a model for many, many years. Join us in our The Secret Challenge, The Secret the strangest secret challenge that we're doing this month. We're going to have a lot of fun in that. Again, that's just 48days.com slash secret. Doesn't matter if you're a couple days late, just go a couple days over. You can still join in the fun, get the resources we're going to be offering, the encouragement to transform your thinking and the success from where you are. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in those questions. Thanks for being open to growing, being a powerful force, for making the world a better place. Hey, share this episode with two or three of your friends. That's the biggest way to thank me and spread the word and they'll thank you when you provide good information for other people at podcast movement man i was able to connect some people together connect them with resources that are going to absolutely rock their world as they move forward and i i know you know they'll come around three years from now thanking me for making that connection so you be that person and stay committed to that belief that we all have here that without a shadow of a doubt we can find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.